0: All right, well, welcome to everybody, and we are about to enter into our work session for Tuesday, September 1st. Uh, This is the City of Iowa City City Council meeting, and the first item we're going to be discussing is going to be the fiscal year uh, 2020 budget decisions, uh, which is a part of IP3. And um, again, if uh, anybody is um, watching on various avenues we're in our work session uh, today at 5 p.m. and then we'll be back at 7 p.m. for our formal meeting so I'm going to have the discussion for the fiscal uh, 2022 budget discussion to start I'm going to start that discussion with our city manager Jeff ruin
1: thank you mayor and council um, this is a annual work session we do this time of year it's it's uh, always sneaks up on us pretty quick but uh, even though you just approved your uh, fiscal year 21 budget in March, um, we're already working on the fiscal year 22 budget right now. Uh, That is a budget that um, you will first see in December and first discuss in January before you're asked to adopt it for next year. Uh, So this time of year, while we're still compiling the budget, um, it's always nice to identify any uh, major new initiatives Uh, that we need to be uh, looking at as staff as we compile that budget. Um, It's always a lot more difficult for us to make large-scale changes in January and February than it is uh, this fall as we are uh, putting those uh, budgets together from our various departments. Um, So what we assume um, is uh, that our budget uh, needs to be guided by your adopted master plans, your adopted resolutions, certainly your strategic plan. And as we compile our budget and, and, and prioritize um, submissions from our department, we use those as guiding documents. So we really don't need to get into the areas that um, are encompassed by those various plans, resolutions, and um, your strategic plan. Um, however, if there is anything new um, that you want staff to investigate, it would be good to get, to, to get that on the table uh, tonight, uh, if not tonight, shortly thereafter. So this is really a chance for us to, as staff to listen, to answer questions. Um, so with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to you, Mayor, and and uh, uh, see if there's anything that the council would like to um, offer tonight.
2: I just wanna talk about
0: since,
2: oh, Mayor, you wanna say something?
0: Oh, go right ahead.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just wanna, you know talk about the affordable housing uh, because you know since on the master plan our strategic plan we had that we going we we said we want to create a plan for affordable housing so we we want to be like more serious about it and creating something that uh, really going to solve some uh, of the crisis of affordable housing i i really because this budget is, is like if we come up later with this, uh, with the money, uh, if we approve this budget as it is without like thinking a ways of uh, funding the affordable housing, uh, that means we have to wait after we approve this. I don't know what you think Jeff, uh, is there is a way we can find some funding for affordable housing if we come up with a like strong plan, solid plan, for that, or can we bond for it, or what do you think?
1: Um, sure. Uh, your um, the plan that you intend uh, to pursue was included in your Black Lives Matter resolution, so. Um, with the funding allocation that you provided uh, along with that resolution there's certainly ample dollars to pursue a, a plan if if you need outside funding to help you get there um, in terms of incorporating new monies into the budget um, the, there's always there's always prioritization of resources and ultimately that's your that's your call um, our intention without any guidance from you would be to continue to provide a million um, dollars in general fund. Um, assistance for our affordable housing efforts. Um, As you know, that's certainly not all-encompassing of all our affordable housing efforts because we use uh, state and federal resources uh, to accomplish uh, some of those objectives as well. And later this month you'll get an annual report from staff that that provides you a comprehensive view of how we're using affordable housing dollars. But this is a good time if if you want to allocate more dollars towards affordable housing. uh, It would be helpful to know the, the magnitude, the scope of what you're looking to invest. And then as staff, we would do our best certainly to um, get you as close to that uh, goal as uh, as we can. And we'd have to outline for you um, what some of those um, cuts may need to be or, or um, reductions in service may need to be depending on how large of an increase you wanna seek.
3: I mean, I'm really happy that you brought that up, um, Maz here because I think that that now, in in alignment with some of, a lot of the other things that we're working on, including um, the the Black Lives Matter and what we what we set forth in our strategic plan, would be a really good time uh, for a for a small group to uh, sit down and try and, and and outline a serious way forward on this to um, to you know to take what the city has done before, but look at maybe other ways. Of converting existing housing or stock or whatever the whatever the possibilities are, but this um, I'm, anyway, I'm glad you brought it up now.
2: I really want to, would like to hear from as a council because this is uh, we we're going to create soon the committee for affordable housing, and uh, housing is not going to come just like that. We need money for it. And if there is a way, if we can work with uh, our staff right now to figure out ways, uh, will, I, I think it will be great. Uh, I really wanna see what you guys think.
0: For me personally, I was hoping um, to actually go through some of the, uh, some of our 17 points to just to kind of see what we are along the way and then make some tentative plans Uh, for creating those um, uh, more committees or more meeting, whatever we need to do to move forward. So um, I I believe that we do need to look at that big plan for affordable housing, which we've been wanting to do and uh, been talking about. And I I think that conversation does need to be had because um, we're we're still at the starting point uh, with housing. And so we need to move forward with that.
4: I think the last time our our staff, our city staff, did an admirable job of putting together that 15-point affordable housing plan. And a lot of good things came out of that, uh, including that South District uh, duplex plan. Uh, So I think they are an excellent resource. I mean, that's the Neighborhood and Development Services, that's part of their job. Uh, to look for resources for affordable housing options, as well as we've got excellent resources out there. The afford- we have the Affordable Housing Coalition, for heaven's sake. Sarah Behrens, she's probably on the line now. She's always there for us. She's always got a lot of ideas. Um, she knows what's out there and what needs to be done, as well as Chrissy over at the Shelter House knows what's needed. So I think we've got a lot of those resources that we we need to utilize, as well as having forming our own committee.
5: One one thing I would add is with the you know the the 15 points that Pauline just mentioned. As I recall, uh, we never we never completed the 15th point. I believe it had to do with rezoning. You know ways in which our zoning ordinance could be revised, uh, tweaked, what what have you, to um, to approve the affordability of the development, um, both infill as well as new development. And, and that seemed to be a pretty strong point, um, you know, that could potentially uh, allow for considerably more cost-efficient housing should we revise our codes to allow for uh, that, that higher level of affordability.
1: That that item is still in progress. We have we have made some good headway with that. We've received great input from the Home Builders Association and the Affordable Homes Coalition. And uh, we just need to spin that up and get that going. So that that definitely is in progress. And one of the things I want to emphasize um, With our, our current um, plan is just because we were able to check, you know, those 14 boxes or whatever the number was uh, doesn't mean that you know, nothing else is happening. Um, a lot of those items were just we're kicking off new programs. Um, and, and those programs are, 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 you know, forever in motion uh, until we until we change direction. So hopefully you'll see that. And I think um, I don't know the exact date. It'll come out in the information packet. But I know that uh, uh, Tracy and Erica and staff are working hard on an annual report and that'll be very comprehensive and show you uh, exactly where we have invested those affordable housing dollars and I think that would be a good launching point into a council work session on okay this is what we've done and here's uh, perhaps where we need to go in terms of elevating um, the resources needed so um, we'll definitely be prepared to to get you started with that conversation I
6: think for me um you know as we look at this budget for 22 given covid um given you know the concerns that we've heard from staff about potential reductions in property taxes um, we know that our hotel motel taxes has been basically non-existence here non-existent for six months we know our road use tax has been way down i'm really reluctant to look at this point in terms of increasing any specific spending um, I think we've been you know been really fortunate to be able to get the affordable housing up to the million dollars. I'm certainly comfortable keeping it there I think staff is kind of has that pretty well line itemed, and I think once we get that report um, and have maybe more specific ideas then that might give us um you know maybe more detail as to where we can have a really you know big impact on some of this more affordable um how do i want to say it affordable housing that's not costing us as much you know because whether it's you know reusing reutilizing um older housing that we know is is cheaper to do than building new um and trying to get the biggest bang for our buck Um, and at that point if we feel like there's some specific projects that really uh, are worthwhile in terms of um, elevating or, or uh, getting more money, uh, leveraging more money, I guess is the term I want. And I'm certainly open to adding to that pot, but um, until then, I, I guess I'm really not comfortable with adding any specific big dollar amounts or projects to this budget yet.
5: Well, I'll introduce. Uh, I think the, I had three items that I wanted to, to bring up. Uh, I brought them up before I think I'm kind of, in some ways, looking at them with uh, slightly different eyes Insofar so far as we've been going through COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter because I think uh, they, they play a factor in these three. Uh, but I'll, I'll run through them. <clears throat> the, f- the first is addressing the equity gaps in the park facilities that were identified in the park master plan for uh, park facilities. Uh, That was a plan that we developed in September or adopted in September of 2017, so it's almost been three years. And um, that plan identified three locations East, the east edge of the west district, and portions of the west central and central districts as defined in that plan. Um, so I, I do think we're almost three years past when the plan was adopted. Uh, with the emphasis on Black Lives Matter, I think it's, it's important that we take an opportunity to address those inequities. And then what I found uh, with COVID 19, where we were in fact still are in some respect sheltering in place, um, the need for readily accessible park facilities really was emphasized over the last several months for me and I know for our neighbors. Uh, and so we haven't seen the last of the COVIDs, I'm afraid. I think they will be back. And in any event, um, I think it's important to strengthen our neighborhoods so that. Uh, we we do have them well distributed across Iowa City. So that's one. Uh, The second would be uh, restoring our urban tree canopy. Uh, We, roughly a year or so ago, I think it must've been the last budget cycle, we were talking about, and Project Green was a part of this conversation, uh, planting 10,000 trees, uh, both on public and private property, as I recall. Part of that was, I think, a response to emerald ash borer, which I think we lost roughly 3,000 trees to to emerald ash borer. Since then, uh, we had a derecho pass through and lost another 1,000 or so trees. Um, I've been hearing from a number of people that are really both concerned with what the, the state of our urban forest and really view it as an opportunity for community engagement uh, and, and achieving something that will be a very strong positive action to take as a city and as a community uh, there's been lots of discussion that i've been hearing in hopes to truly use a, an urban forestry replanting as an opportunity for the community to volunteer in that experience uh, that it wouldn't be reliant strictly on staff as susan mentioned you know funding is going to be an issue so how can we leverage the community, um, so to speak, and help with the planting. I was just talking with Janice earlier today. Uh, I think we, we might find interest among our students to participate in such a program. And I think volunteering uh, on a tree planting, I think we can accomplish that social distancing while doing it. So it's something we can move forward on uh, in a group it could be a, a group volunteer effort while still maintaining a safe distance. Uh, so that would be number two. And the third has to do with issues of traffic safety. You know, you know how interested I am in that. Uh, but the, but the new wrinkle there for me was in discussions over Black Lives Matter, and realizing that. Uh, As we know, our our streets in in some some areas are conducive to speeds higher than our speed limits. That results in a situation where, you know, you have such a high degree of speeding that it's really the discretion of the police officer as to how to enforce those speeds. So, with that discretion, as we have have seen, uh, we often see disproportionate contact with, with our Black residents. So through aligning uh, better alignment of our traffic, actual speeds with the, what we want the speeds to be through road diets and other measures, uh, I, and by dropping the speeds, uh, we will take away some of that discretion because it will no longer be necessary. The traffic will be moving at the appropriate speed. So I'm, I'm hoping we can uh, utilize, and you know, this may not be a high cost, Measure because in many cases, with road diets as we've seen, uh, we're not moving necessarily moving curb alignments. We're just simply reallocating the um, right of way. Uh, so I, I do think we would not only improve traffic safety, advance our, uh, you know, enhance uh, mobility for walking and bicycling. It would also have a social equity aspect to it. Um, so that that's the third item. Um, that I would like to uh, put before you.
7: I'll just respond to the, I'm sorry, Mayor. Um, The the affordable housing question. um, I think that, yeah, we need to absolutely look at that in the context of our um, current focus on our 17 point resolution. When I looked at the memo asking for additional thoughts on guidance for budgeting. I, I reviewed the strategic plan goals that we set forth just so recently and I'm still totally on board with those. And when I think about maybe some tweaks that have happened since we approved that, the conversation about affordable housing certainly has come um, more into focus and the idea of having the plan. So I think some, some acknowledgement of elevating that and recognition to you know, what we've done with our 17 point resolution since the adoption of our strategic plan for the coming years makes a lot of sense to me. Um, And I think that having a getting that work session conversation from staff on the current state of things and sort of the um, not just where all the funds are allocated currently, but also that the last item of the 15 point plan and where we are with that and directions we might go. So I, I think that's great um and more generally my only other comment was just to you know when we look at the goals uh from our strategic plan and i know jeff said let's just focus on new things but for myself just you know making sure that the social justice and racial equity continue to be in the forefront in our um, budget process for the coming year
2: okay just the last thing that i want to say on this affordable housing so i know that maybe you're going we're going to have a work session about it Uh, But uh, I I really, I'm not like uh, budget experience, like the staff of course, but just like by looking at the budget and seeing that sometime we we borrow money to do some project. I'm just uh, wanna ask Jeff if we can do the same thing and using the affordable housing money, the half of it, of course, because I know that 50% of the million will go to the housing trust fund. I understand that, but there is another um, like 50% with uh, like uh, land banking money or any another money that we allocated for affordable housing. If we can borrow money and, and, and use that money to pay uh, for the, for that, that could be an option. Uh, I don't know, but sometimes I just like look at it and see that, but I think you can come up with, the staff can come with a creative um, you know, solution for this or creative ideas that, we can use uh, to find some fund for affordable housing. Uh, I'm really looking forward to have a work session just specifically for that, and also just encouraging the staff to come up with ideas because you guys have the experience on these things, and if we you you can you can find out like some creative solution.
1: Yes, um, the, the short answer is yes, you can bond for affordable housing projects, and if that's desired by the council, um, you'll just need to consider um, where you want to position the city in terms of uh, the amount of debt that we carry. Uh, So do you want to reduce bonding for other items, or do you want to bond additional dollars? And if so, you may have to to raise your debt service tax levy. But we can walk you through those scenarios and talk to you about the limitations that might accompany a bond for for, uh, um, affordable housing. one of the one of the the big points of the plan that we um presented a few years ago was to to make sure that uh, the funding for affordable housing was um, kind of permanently inserted into the budget and i think we've gotten to that point uh, absent major financial crisis where we feel really good that that we have these stable funds in there but you all know that one of the other things we've been working on is identifying other funding sources for affordable housing as well so um, you know, an example of that is the uh, tax increment financing project we did on the Foster Road extension. Um, a lot of the increment that is developed from the senior housing project that was completed up there, and any future development that that comes from that area in the next ten years, um, that will spin off additional dollars for affordable housing that can be added to the million dollars and invested in the community. Um, similar, we have the fee in lieu of provisions in our riverfront crossings district too. Those are monies that we have collected and we can put to use. So um, just keep in mind that there are other revenue sources that are slowly developing um, as um, uh, these things take a little bit of time to accumulate, Um, but those revenue sources will be be increasing over time. Um, And we can look at new ones as well, whether that's bonding or utility taxes or any number of alternative revenues that could be available for you.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'll be looking forward to uh, that opportunity that council will have to get that report and hear from staff. All right, any other uh, thoughts for budget items that people want to put out there?
2: Can you talk uh, talk to us about um, the budget for policing?
1: Well, we'll, we'll um, part of the reason that your resolution has a preliminary plan date of December 15th is so that we can try to anticipate any changes you want to make to the police budget. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, until we get really moving forward um, on that restructuring plan, um, there is no, there is no um, direction in place to, to significantly alter that police department budget. Um, I can tell you we we have some ideas and you see one of those on your agenda tonight uh, for some new uh, civilian positions in the in the police department. And we'd like to get to the point where we can uh, present those to you, but uh, I certainly want to allow you and the community to have some more conversation and for some more ideas to be shared um, about um, uh, ways in which the city can respond either uh, um, Uh, inside of the department uh, with different approaches or investments we can make outside of the department that would um, also assist our our um, officers in some way.
2: Okay, thank you very much.
0: Jeff. I have a question for you related to are there oftentimes we know that departments have been kind of asking for things, uh, either staff or Um, programs that may not have been funded, is there anything that you or, and I would actually extend this to any other city staff that are here, um, putting you on the spot, but is there anything that you can think of that council should be thinking about for consideration um, that can, um, of course, it would be something significant, potentially.
1: Well, um, yeah, I'll I'll jump in. I think one of the major, um, uh, um, Councillor Mims mentioned earlier, we're entering a a period of uncertainty with our finances. Uh, With COVID, we don't know how quickly we're gonna reemerge financially from the COVID crisis. Um, We've had to cut significant dollars already out of this year's current budget um, to to manage through the COVID crisis. We don't know how quickly that'll uh, reemerge. And then we also, have the last few years of the uh, property tax reform, which, we're, uh, which we are anticipating to be the most uh, significant in terms of the financial impact to the city. So one, we're operating in a context where we have um, a strain on our resources. Uh, in addition, um, we're not gonna see our tax base grow like we've seen in the last five to seven years. Um, you, you get uh, you get the... Uh, um, building permit reports once a month in your information packets and um, uh, you can see if, if you were to look at and compare those to previous years the the um, development activity this year uh, is is quite suppressed compared to, 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 to past years um, we're probably going to end up at a evaluation uh, of permits that uh, um, we haven't seen in in 10 or more years, um, that's how kind of low it's gonna be. And so the, you have to anticipate what that impact is. And it's not, it's not an immediate impact, but two or three years from now, um, when those taxes come on, uh, um, they're gonna be a lot lower and we're gonna be more constrained. So we just have to keep that in mind. But um, to your specific question, Mayor, I think the biggest challenge that we're gonna find is with the transit study. Um, And and you're gonna be looking at that on October 6th. That's our plan at your work session is to present to you uh, the recommendations from that transit study. And right now we're operating in an environment where our our ridership is down 60 to 70%. And that has a significant impact on our revenue. Um, and I think the community has high expectations for what we're going to be able to do with, with transit. And we never anticipated finishing up this report with ridership down this low. And uh, even if even if COVID is behind us in, in uh, 2021, we don't know if that ridership will return. Um, people are finding other ways to move about. Um, they may not be comfortable with public transit because of their, the COVID experience. And so we have to really be careful with how we're projecting transit revenue going forward. Um, We were also really um, banking on the idea that we could use parking funds to help supplement transit and and really move some some excess parking funds into the transit fund um, to to bolster those services. And as you know, parking has been the hardest um, hit area of operations that we have with COVID. So our two biggest funding support uh, sources that we're gonna support our transit investment are, are down. And, and there's some tough decisions coming, a, uh, coming up ahead on how we're gonna fund Sunday service, how we're gonna fund expanded uh, night and weekend service, if that's what we wanna do. And that could require um, an investment um, from other sources that we weren't anticipating, whether that's general fund, again, utility taxes, sales taxes, things like that, that that we really weren't banking on for that idea. So mayor, that's probably the biggest item that that gives me concern heading into this budget prep is how are we gonna meet those community expectations with with those two uh, revenue sources um, currently just being clobbered by this COVID pandemic.
0: I do know that has been a challenge, uh, of course, for the city um, resources. Um, hotel, motel taxes down um, that we get. Um, it, as far as the transit study and some of the hopes that council, um, I don't know if uh, I'm speaking for everybody, but one of the hopes that I think we had was for there to be some type of submission for zero fare um, as an option. What what would that entail? And it sounds like, of course, that um, do you still think we'll get that as an option and what will be presented?
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll have kind of a menu of, of options that, that can be pursued. Um, at the time, I'm, I'm going a little bit off memory here, but I think moving to zero option is, or I'm sorry, a zero fare option was somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.5 to $2 million. That's the revenue loss that we would have to replace to do that. And um, I, again, we were kind of going to lean on parking uh, to hopefully be a big, be a big uh, part of that solution and so i don't know right now where, where we're gonna where where we could find two million dollars uh, for example to go fare free um, i think that's gonna probably take um, um, i'm not sure I, I don't even know what that would take right now you know the, the type of funding source that we would need for that is, is probably your local option sales tax um and uh uh, that's of course a, a tough decision for for council to contemplate um during a you know during a time where where uh folks are struggling so much so uh mayor yes it'll be an option we'll we'll present you with those numbers uh we'll kind of walk you through um uh, you know how we might get there um but making decisions this fall and even this winter on on transit's going to be very difficult because we won't know what that ridership rebound is, and we certainly won't know what the parking rebound is. Uh, so, um, we'll, we'll navigate those discussions the best we can, but they're they're definitely going to be tricky.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm personally looking forward to that because I do know that there's still need out there, and uh, the community has really come out, I, I think, strongly. Um, and and talked about their need for Sunday service and uh, evening service late night service the Harrison street uh, parking ramp were when we spent some of that money um, some of those reserves
1: could that have gone towards transit no not not the not those reserves that, that, that those could not have been dedicated uh, towards transit um, what we were contemplating initially with the uh, with the parking fund um, would be a increase in meter and permit fees and using that increase in those fees to generate um, operational dollars to uh, to pay for that because um, one of the things one of the things you have to consider um, and this would apply to our general fund reserves, if if you know that we need two million for fare free and you just took two million from our reserves, well, that buys you one year of fare free and now you got to figure out how are you going to pay for year two fare free and if you keep taking from reserves eventually that bank account runs dry so we really look to to make sure that we have sustainable funds for an initiative like that unless the intention of council is really to do a pilot program where the community knows there's an expiration date um, you really need to find operational dollars and that's why an increase in permits Would still be there year after year, or an increase in meter fees uh, would still be there year after year after year, um, uh, whereas reserves, you know, eventually would, would dry up. So that's that's what makes that that a little bit more difficult. Thank you.
0: Any other budget items? All right. Hearing none. Well, I think we'll move on to COVID-19 updates. We uh, are certainly seeing some increases in our community. Um, I I wonder if, um, is there anyone that wanted to say anything about COVID-19?
5: I had uh, one comment on that and it's, um, it's again, uh, related to traffic. that you know we I believe had in place uh, a change to our uh, traffic stop policy, kind of taking a soft approach to to lower the um, the number of of stops uh, due to due to COVID, and uh, as I understand it, I think we've we've lifted that to some degree. Um, I would I would suggest if we haven't already to go back to a more restricted uh, policy with respect to the stops and only, only um, enforce what we felt was really critical for public safety issues. um, So that we do sort of avoid, uh, you know, the unnecessary, the unessential stops.
1: If I, I might provide some context for other counselors or the public that may be listening. When, when the COVID pandemic uh, um, uh, really hit us in, in mid-March, um, we pulled back on uh, not just traffic enforcement, but a lot of enforcement activities to, to try to make sure that we limited officer contact with the public, keep our department healthy, uh, keep the public healthy, and really just focus in on those um, um, urgent public safety matters. Um, We have not returned to uh, pre-COVID enforcement, um, but certainly as we saw uh, more and more people uh, coming downtown and enjoying nightlife, um, we felt um, it was really needed, uh, particularly around uh, OWI enforcement. And so we have um, uh, started looking for uh, you know, um, enforcement opportunities. You know, if we see again, if we see issues related to that, but really focusing in on that drunk uh, and impaired driving, that's where that's where that focus is. Um, any stop we make, we 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 should feel that there's a, a, a pressing, you know, a public safety issue. Um, uh, so uh, while we're not necessarily running radar um, like we would have been uh, in a normal year, we still are um, uh, identifying reckless driving and things like that and making stops as, as needed. We're just not doing the proactive, again, running radar uh, uh, type of enforcement that, that we normally would.
3: Um- I'd actually just like to, to speak to the severity, you know, I- Iowa has the worst COVID outbreak in the nation right now, basically the third worst in the world, if we were a country all by ourselves. Uh, and Iowa City and Ames um, are, are leading the pack, which is not a place where any of us wanted to be. Um, the, if I know that the faculty senate was meeting this afternoon to give recommendations to University President Harold. I'm hoping that all levels of government are really going to work together uh, really swiftly on whatever we need to. But I wanted to give you a little perspective um, of what sort of basically what we're doing right now with the numbers that have been coming out of, of positive cases. We're looking somewhat, they're all lagging indicators. We're looking in the rearview mirror. Um, and there's a, there's sort of a, there are the weeks of COVID, and the rule of weeks goes that if you're infected today, um, within, within a week, uh, if you're gonna have symptoms, you'll have symptoms, it's two weeks, it's basically two weeks for infection that you'll end up in hospital, if you're gonna end up in hospital, a week after that, if you have to be transferred to the ICU, and the, a week after that, um, and ends up with mortality. So we have no idea right now what the burden is going to be on our healthcare facilities. And um, it's really incumbent on everyone in this city and everyone in Johnson County to continue using face coverings to do do social distancing, to stay home if you can, to sanitize, to do whatever you can. Because whether we realize it or not, the measures we've taken to date are are actually, if we hadn't taken the measures, the situation would be even worse than it is. So this is, um, I I would like to see personally the university go all online, like now. Um, And we're also going to have many, many students um, stay here regardless of what the university does. So they're all part of our community. We need to work together and everyone needs to take care of everyone else.
0: I did want to mention um, the governor's order in relationship to uh, the six counties that were uh, closed. Um, uh, that there were some uh, bar and restaurant closures, um, and so that happened on the September 20th. Um, Johnson County was a part of that closure, um, and so um, I, and I'm, I'm going to try to find um, because the, the S um, the Alcohol and Beverage Division, uh, as well as the Department of Inspections and Appeals are a part of the, um, the, 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 I guess what you would call it, the to ensure enforcement um, or to assist with compliance um, even during the day. Um, and so I, I actually had a conversation with them on Monday, on Monday and um, the Alcoholic and Beverage Division does have Um, some ways that they've been engaging with people in the community um, when there is an incident that they notice they're trying to be non-punitive, of course, where they're trying to engage in conversation uh, to ensure that people understand what it means to um, operate under the current guidance of the governor. And so I would encourage any of the businesses out there that are still operating um, to reach out to the website of the uh, alcohol, and beverage, alcohol and beverages division because they do have some great resources. There some questions and answers uh, where people can go and just um, ask some questions um, or, or find some answers to how they can effectively operate during COVID. So that is abd.iowa.gov slash coronavirus COVID nineteen. So um, if they reach out uh, through that website, they'll be able to get some information. Um, and again, I know that it's a challenge in our community to have to have uh, some closures um, within our community and uh, even stopping uh, the sale of alcohol at 10 p.m. Um, I know that for a lot of businesses, uh, that that's a huge part of their revenue. And so we know uh, there, there are people that are, challenged by that. And in some entities, they can't open at all because their entire operation is after 10 p.m. Um, So uh, my heart goes out, especially to our local businesses that are having some challenges there. Um, But just wanted to make mention of the the closing of the bars, which ultimately the hope is safety and to get the numbers down in our community.
4: I echo what you just Mayor. It uh I I, I too am, am sorry that it came to that and of course it was the governor's plan to, to shut down those bars and just in those six counties, which uh, noticeably it was uh college towns, university towns and and that that's sad because it will affect our economy. Uh but I think that stresses to people, uh Please, please avoid large crowds. Uh, don't, since the bars are closed, don't don't have the large gatherings, the large parties. Uh, and if you do, uh, at least maintain social distance and and wear masks. As, uh, it is serious. This is getting very serious when our numbers. Uh, at First, when we did the mass mandate, Thank you for that. A while back, Mayor. Uh, we were in maybe 10 to 12 to 14 new cases a day, but then we started rising 70, 80, 90 hundreds. Uh, that's that's scary. This is very serious. People need to pay attention and, and follow some guidelines.
0: All right. Well, we're gonna move on if no one else has any more comments. And we're gonna continue our discussion on our resolution with uh, Black Lives Matter movement and systemic racism. And so um, we'll, we'll have at it. I and, and maybe if we can, one thing that I do hope today is to bring up um, IP4, which actually has uh, the resolution itself, as and kind of the matrix of where we are, I think it could be helpful if we can look at that during this discussion. And so, I would have to rely on Kelly or someone from the IT team to bring that up. I should have pre prepared you, (laughs) but that was going to happen from IP4.
6: Uh, I'm sorry, if I could, while she's trying to do that, one of the, actually one of the first items on there is um, developing our preliminary plan to restructure the Iowa City Police Department. And one of the things we've talked, excuse me, talked about a few times is the need for public input. And we, you know, we talked about scheduling some dates, and I think we've, we've just been busy. We've, we've kind of worked around this or kind of glossed it over as we've, you know, kind of been busy and moving from meeting to meeting. So, I looked at the calendar today, and I apologize. I didn't have a chance to get this out to everybody um, ahead of time. But what, and I can send it into Kelly later so she can get it out to everybody. But I'll just throw out six dates that I came up with that I thought maybe we could get on the calendar um, in the next six weeks or so. And then uh, everybody could kind of let Kelly know which one or ones might work for them. So I'll just run through them real quickly. And then, like I say, I'll send them to Kelly so she can get them out to everybody. And But if you know right away, you see issues. Um, in order to actually have some time to to announce these, I. The first one I put out was Wednesday, um, September 16th, potentially at Mercer. Then going to Tuesday, September 22nd, doing a Zoom meeting. Um, Saturday, September 26th at Pheasant Ridge um, at 10 a.m., Uh, The evening ones I was suggesting, 5.30 was just my idea. Tuesday, the 29th at Weatherby. Monday, October 5th, either at Robert A. Lee Recreation Center or out in the Chauncey Park, depending, you know, maybe on weather. Um, And Thursday, October 8th, again, a Zoom meeting. So, I mean, if, if you see any problems with those, Right away. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Or if once you actually get it in writing. um, If you see any conflicts that with major, you know, events in the community that I've overlooked then maybe let Kelly know that and we can make some adjustments. Uh, I I've tried to kind of go east and west side on a couple of these as well as zoom meetings. Um, Pheasant Ridge is really kind of the only one on the west side. If you think there's another uh, good location. I, and I, I put one downtown. I don't know for sure if that's the best place, um, depending on who we're trying to get and everything. But I, I'm certainly open for any ideas and suggestions. I just was concerned that time kept going by and we weren't getting anything on the calendar. So I wanted to at least throw out a tentative schedule uh, with locations um, for feedback so we can get started with this.
2: Are you really thinking about like um, physical meeting?
6: I am, and that's why I was looking like at Mercer. Um, if the weather's okay, we could do it outside and be physically distanced. If not, if the weather's not good, um, potentially if the gym would be available and still be able to do physical distancing. That's why I was also looking at um, Robert A. Lee or the Chauncey. I, But that's also why I've included a couple of Zoom, suggesting a couple of Zoom ones. So if people aren't comfortable coming in person and socially distancing with masks and face coverings, that they could do a Zoom one. So to give people uh, different opportunities, depending on what they're comfortable with. And And I'm certainly open to suggestion. I just wanted to at least get something on the table because We've been talking about this for quite a while and December is gonna be a year before we know it and we need to get some public input, so.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly um, know the need to really engage people in our community. Um, I, I, one of the questions that I would have is what, what do we need to do in preparation? Um, I know that we have, um, we're waiting for the military grade equipment inventory review Report um, some transparent and accessible, ice, you know, uh, budget details. I'm I'm not sure if that's, you know, if that's all what we want to have ready before we do that. Uh, the question would be, it, will that be ready? Um, but I am. I mean, I, I think it would be what you propose as far as like timing wise. I think it's um, it, it could be. Uh, uh, potentially a good time, I just wonder what is it that we want to have out there or is it a uh, really just uh, listening to the community and hearing input from the community about Mayor, uh, I
6: think that's a really good question. And my suggestion on that, um, I know Laura and Janice and I have talked a little bit about this, um, is I think we need to, um, and I think, you know, everybody could kind of send in ideas. I think to go to a meeting like this and simply ask people, um, how do you think we should restructure the police department is, is a really big question and one that I think is gonna be really, really difficult for people to necessarily give constructive input to if they don't really understand you know, a lot about policing and how it works. So I would think that if we could um, come up with a list of potential ideas um, for people to react to and at least be a starting point in their conversations. For example, John has proposed, and he did this on our, our Zoom meeting last week with a couple members of IFR, the whole idea of, you know, being able to reduce interactions um, in the traffic stops by using cameras. Now, I'm probably the only one that was on council when we actually had a, uh, a signed, not a petition, I can't remember the word, but anyways, from the public to ban the use of cameras. So we'll have some heavy lifting to do if we're gonna do that. But to start with some ideas like that, you know, would you rather see cameras used for, you know, running red lights or things like that rather than have police doing those stops? What do you think about um, hiring mental health professionals or maybe expanding the uh, I am sorry tonight, and my mind is going blank here on my terminology, uh, mobile crisis. You know, expanding agencies like Mobile Crisis who can respond alongside police officers, et cetera. I think any ideas that we can come up with to um, kind of put on a list and give to people to kind of start that conversation, would be really helpful because I think otherwise people are sitting there like uh what do you mean we just don't want them to be racist and we don't want them to be biased and we don't want them to target people and we don't want them to be violent and I mean so I think starting that conversation with
4: some ideas would be helpful. I think that's an excellent idea Susan I mean we could even do it the same similar to how the Climate Action Commission Originally, did it with the little stickies and the priorities. You know, people could uh, like itemize which ones from one to six, what what they feel are the most important, and where we should really start. And back to John's idea about the traffic cameras. And I appreciate your historical perspective, uh, but I think uh, the climate's kind of different now. And I think John has stressed all along that that uh, those cameras don't see color. And so that, that's uh, kind of the important thing on that as far as to stress that, uh, that it wouldn't necessarily be stopping a person of color. Uh, the, the light wouldn't see, it, all it sees is the, uh, or the camera wouldn't see, all it sees is the license plate. It doesn't see the driver or the color of the driver. So I think stressing that point might help sell the cameras.
0: One, one thing I will say is uh, I've been amazed at some of the conversations I've been engaged with in, in terms of reimagining the police, um, there are uh, various people out there that um, have some background on what uh, community policing could look like, or um, just certain aspects of um, policing. Um, so we might be highly surprised at the information that we get in this type of in this type of a setting.
7: Two work sessions ago maybe, we had some really good ideas about the kind of information we might want to have available also. So even I would say maybe before we are presenting or concurrent with presenting ideas, um, just the, the current state of affairs, like the current statistics, and as we have different areas of town where we hope to be talking with people, having available that data, um, I think Jeff had indicated that that would be definitely doable to, to have there in terms of, um, you know, what are the kinds of interactions that occur with police in this neighborhood, um, so that we can maybe help identify those areas for improvement that would be specific to different parts of town. And then also having available for us the current state of policies, um, where, you know, we've done I, I think we've done a really good job of making more transparent on the website. Um, what current policies are, but just also, you know, sort of uh, preparing ourselves as we're going into these meetings with what the current policies are and the the really immediate changes that we've made and the changes that are underway. So we can be talking contextually with what we've, what we already kind of know is happening and then have this big, um, more open conversation about what can happen.
1: One thing I would uh, encourage, and <clears throat> I, I agree with uh, Councillor Mims in that, as you, as you hear people talk about um, reimagining the police department, um, a lot of the same themes come through, and, and people may state them different ways, but it's a, a lot of how, how as a community do we want to address homelessness, how do we want to address mental health, how do we want to address addiction services or youth services? If, if you have themes around, uh, if you decide to have themes around your listening post, I just really encourage you to, to bring in some of your, your local social service providers, nonprofit providers that have that expertise and almost treat it as a, as a round table discussion where, where not only the community can provide input, but they can hear from those providers and they can maybe uh, even learn about some of the efforts that are, that are underway. I, I don't think there's very many people in the, in the community that know about the mobile crisis unit and what that does here. Um, it would be very beneficial, I think, to, to bring in the staff that works on that 365 days a year and, and talk uh, to them about what it is and um, how they see that type of service expanding and and how they collaborate with law enforcement and how they could enhance collaborations with law enforcement going forward to ensure the best outcomes for folks. Um, I think you'll have a lot more productive conversations that way in these listening posts and and I think it'll go a long way towards community education as well. thoughts on that? Would you like us to go ahead and and work with council offline to get the dates that that Susan mentioned scheduled with with each of you and and find various council members to look at you know look at those dates is that something we should follow up on?
0: I guess my question would be is how many counselors um, and maybe Eleanor can chime in on this are we gonna be limited to how many counselors can be present?
6: I would assume three. Yeah, three. Unmute. Okay,
0: <laughs>
6: yes, three.
0: Okay, all right. I don't know if there was any way that we could be present and listening or, but we can go with three
6: well you could actually you know it's the old pat white stump rule um, that we refer to meaning if you go and you sit and you don't say anything or participate at all then you can have more than three that's hard to do that's hard to
4: do when the conversation is about something that is so within your purview yeah Elnar does that still hold true if it's posted as a zoom meeting and and that's the agenda on the Zoom meeting, but that still hold true that we couldn't all be on that Zoom? Well,
6: I think I think the same rules apply. I mean, if, if you're on the Zoom meeting and you're being like a tree stump, sure. If you're on the Zoom meeting and you're participating in the conversation, no. But, but the problem, Eleanor, if, if I'm understanding this correctly, if there's four of us there, all four of us have to act like a tree stump, correct? We can't have three participating and one act like a stump, correct? Correct. Yeah, so in that case, I would strongly urge that we do not go over three because I think it's really important that we are there as council members actively engaging with the community. I think they're gonna be very frustrated if they have four of us there and we say, oh, well, sorry, there's four of us, we can't talk to you. If I were a community member, I
3: would not be happy.
0: So Plus, I think are, there are going to be enough
3: meetings. I think there are going to be enough meetings that, um, that find that 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 it's that three will be just plenty as we spread ourselves out.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if um, since we're all together right now, if we wouldn't take maybe the next three minutes or less to look at our calendars and uh, try to assign who's going to be where preliminarily. Um, We have Wednesday, the 16th, Tuesday, the 22nd, Saturday, the 27th, Monday, the 29th. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) And then October 5th, I don't know what day of the week that is. I
3: think it's a Monday. What was the
2: first one?
0: uh, um, uh, September 16th, Wednesday.
2: Laura, do you want to do that with me? Yeah, that would be great. Okay,
0: thank you. And I think we have, um, it. I think we have the opportunity of uh, people, some people doing it three times or or twice if we want three people or are people thinking just two individuals.
6: I mean I think if three people want to be there and everybody gets you know at least Two to three opportunities to do it then I say the more the merrier so we can all get as much input as possible
2: okay
4: Janice would you be able to do the Saturday the 26th at Pheasant Ridge since that's kind of in our neck of the woods our neighborhood would you be able to do that and I would do it with you um
0: sure what day of the week I mean which which date
4: it's the Saturday the 26th at uh, Pheasant Ridge I think you you said two times, Susan, yes. I think you said a 10 or a 530, which, which one was for that, Susan?
6: I, I guess I was thinking 10 o'clock on the Saturday and 530 okay. for the ones
3: during the week was just my suggestion. Okay. Sounds good. Did, did, did somebody else want to join on the 26th?
0: Um, I can certainly join.
2: And Laura, do you want to do the South District?
7: Yeah, I'd like to do the Weatherby one also.
2: The Bee? Yeah, Weatherbee, is okay. the 29th. Oh, is the Bee the 29th? I thought the Bee is the one, the first one. I think the first one is Mercer, which I'm also
7: interested in.
2: Okay, I can, yeah, okay.
1: Folks, just to remind, uh, Weatherbee is under construction right now, um, and I don't know if by the 29th the trail project will also be under construction. Um, it's a big park and there's, probably ample opportunities to sit but just to let you know that um you might deal with some construction traffic while you're there.
0: Okay, so were
6: so, you going to do the 29th also with Laura?
2: Yeah, I can do that. No problem.
0: And I I can jump on there at Weatherby. Yes. Okay. So it seems that we have.
3: How about the Tuesday, September 22nd Zoom? I would also volunteer to do that.
6: I'll do that with you, Janice.
5: I can do that one, too.
6: Right.
3: I could do Monday the 5th. I can do that one too. Where is that at, Susan? Uh, it's either
6: Robert A. Lee or the Chauncey Park. Um, so we need to kind of get that figured out.
4: I could do that too. That's Pauline. So Laura and Pauline and myself.
0: Okay. Um, one, one thought came to mind. I don't know if uh, we can do some special efforts to get some of the youth involved.
4: Okay.
0: To come out.
2: Or if we can do one at the Dream Center.
6: oh, That's a possibility.
4: Wow. That's an excellent mm-hmm. idea. That's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. We can also advertise through USG for students in the area that would like to
2: and post that through our social media channels and so on, um, if that would help.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So.
6: We don't have anybody yet, do we?
0: No one on the
5: 8th. I can do the 8th.
2: I guess one of the Zoom meeting. Do you have two Zoom meetings, Susan?
6: Yeah, I did one on the twenty-second and then the one on the
2: eighth. I guess and one I've of the Zoom meeting can be at the Dream Center. Pardon? I said one of the Zoom meeting can be at the Dream Center, maybe. I don't care. Eight
5: So maybe. If the eighth were, uh, I didn't. I'm not up for any of the um, the ones that out in the field. So yeah, if we if we made the eighth on the Dream Center, I could I could do that.
2: Okay, great.
6: So you want to make the eighth at the Dream Center and just have one Zoom meeting? Is what I'm hearing then.
2: Is mm-hmm.
0: that? Is it possible that we uh, because. Uh, I, um, maybe for Fred, if the eighth, um, maybe we can use both of the zoom meetings Uh as an option for him, but it is early Uh enough. Um, if, if there's a challenge, I think, um, um, Kelly can try to reach out to whoever to make some changes.
2: Uh Definitely.
0: So then at the dream center, um, we have John, um, I would certainly be happy to go.
2: And I can be there too.
0: Okay. All right. So, um, Kelly, I hope you're helping us out by recording everything.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes. Do okay. you want to recap?
0: Please.
3: <laughs> so, on September 16th, I have Burgess and Celie. September 22nd, I have Weiner, Mims, and Thomas. September 26th, I have Taylor, Weiner, and Teague. September 29th, I have Burgess, Salee, and Teague. October 5th, I have Mims, Burgess, and Taylor. And October 8th, I have Thomas, Teague, and Salee.
6: I'd like to add my (laughs) name. Janice, you and I were going to both add our names to the 16th. Go ahead. That's fine. (laughs)
0: And I think I'm on four different ones. <clears throat> Is that correct? One, two. Uh, three. 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 Okay. All right. Um, so if anyone feels like they're missing out on an opportunity and they want to go somewhere, just let me know. Um, I, I would be willing to, to share, share the love, but I'm also happy to go.
6: Well, I'm really to see that everybody's got at least two some people have three um, and we actually have three counselors signed up for every single one of them and I think that's absolutely fantastic and we have different combinations um, of counselors together and I think that's really important too and the, the only final thing that I would just strongly suggest is if something comes up and at the last minute somebody can't make it please try and reach out to the rest of council so that somebody else can try and sub in if they want to so that everybody can you know, take full advantage of um, getting the input from the public, so.
0: Full disclosure, I haven't looked at my calendar for any of these dates, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, <do.
5: laughs>
0: so I might be rearranging a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll navigate through it. Sure. All right. Um, so, uh, well, I want to uh, thank you, Councillor Mims, for uh, that proposal. I think that it, that is a, a certainly a step uh, forward um, in, in the efforts that we're doing as a community. And so, uh, Kelly, is it possible that you can pull up our progress r- summary? Great.
6: Can I just add one real quick thing there? And that would just be, I think staff kind of understand some of the information that we would like to have prior to going into these meetings. So if if they can maybe let us know what that is. And then I would encourage all of council members, I, I don't know, probably Kelly, if you're the point person, maybe to get her a list of ideas or suggestions that we might want in a list that we would be able to take out with us. Um, again, I think trying to start a conversation with simply how, how do you see reimagining the police department is a tough one and may, I think, Kelly, either between Kelly and Jeff and the mayor or somebody we need to be thinking about who do we want, I, because I believe Jeff asked suggested a really good thing of asking some of the nonprofit providers. So that needs to be coordinated as well. So um, if staff can we dump that on staff t- <laughs> to help coordinate maybe some of the uh, nonprofit providers to be with us?
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's very doable. And what we might do is um, focus in on a key one key issue per event, and and it doesn't mean that 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 entire event has to be dedicated to say a- addiction issues or um, or services, I should say. Um, but that could be the focus, and then there can be an open portion of the event, too. And we just make sure that we have some some field experts at each, at each one. So I'll work with the clerk's office, and we'll, we'll try to do that. If there is any specific location that you want a, a theme to, um, just reach out to, to me or to Kelly, and, and we'll work on that. Otherwise, we'll, you know, we'll assume when you're at uh, Dream Center, for example, we'll focus maybe on some youth. Um, issues and invite youth providers and, and so forth.
6: Thank you, Jeff.
0: I, I know that one thing that uh, Mayor Pro Tem and I had talked about was just that, um, having one item um, per event. And so I think that plays right into the thought process of um, how to be most productive. I do wonder, just with um, some of the suggestions that will be given by the community, Will there be staff or someone present to kind of just take that information, gather it?
1: Yeah, we we, we can have somebody present to do that. Right. Um, we have also created it's it's up on our website now and an online submission form. I believe it's uh, I know it's on the Black Lives Matter website where you can find the status report, but it, I believe it's also on the police. Um, um, Web page too. So we'll make sure that you have directions on how to get, you know, how, how to allow people to submit electronically in addition to whatever we might take in the in person events. All right. Thank you. Um, so
0: I, I think um, we're going to go through this list a little bit. Now, there might be some things that are going to be on our agenda coming up. So those will just kind of defer until then. Um, so uh, the next one would be receive a report of Iowa City police involvement in the gas and flashbang devices. So that's going to be coming up on our next event, or um, at 7 p.m. And so we're that's on our um, formal agenda. So we're going to talk about that then. So we're defer that um, for the accountability authority of the CPRB. Uh, is there? Um, I, I know that we've seen. Um, and I've read the some minutes from the CPRB, but is there any update uh, formally on um, any movement with them finding either uh, a private uh, lawyer that they chose or anything of that nature? At least from my perspective, that's what um, I'm interested. in.
3: My understanding is they is and they could change. They could have changed at a subsequent meeting, or they could change is that they were probably going to retain their current attorney uh, and use him for that but i did want to point out that on um, speaking of fora which we were just organizing they are doing their community uh, their community forum on september 21st at 530 p.m. by a zoom with a focus on um, police policies practices and procedures and are asking people to submit questions in advance so that might actually be really interesting for some of us to, uh, a couple of us to sit in on if we have the time. I plan to try um, to just sort of see, preview a little bit, even though one of our, one or two of ours will already have taken place, but to preview a little bit what they're hearing as well.
0: Any other thoughts on the CPRB? And I've talked to, um, uh, a, a member from the CPRB, and so I do know that they are uh, happy for this opportunity. They really are. So,
3: yeah, I also know that they've sent out, they're in the process of, or they've already sent out um, the questionnaires to pri- to previous members uh, and are, are, are putting in ideas from their own members as well.
0: Great improve transparency and accessibility of detailed ICPD budget expenditures?
1: So Mayor, we do have um, some additional budget information on the uh, Iowa City Police Department website. And then we'll have a, a kind of a keen eye on this as we develop the fiscal year uh, 22 budget as well. And we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we provide expanded uh, materials in the budget document and on the website.
0: All right, so I, and because at the end of this, hopefully we'll have time to go to the bottom and kind of see where we are on the checklist. Uh, I'm not sure if anything moves down there or not. Um, To review inventory of military grade equipment in the ICPD.
1: Um, That the uh, military grade equipment should be in your information packet on September 10th. Um, the evaluation of federal contracts is in your uh, August 20th information packet, which you, you have the ability to discuss later today. And then the um, letter to the Johnson County Sheriff's Office has already been sent to Mayor. So um, two out of three on that um, have been provided and one in the works.
0: Okay. All right. Two out of three. And then for enact ICPD, general order to expressly ban the use of chokeholds and any maneuvering that
1: cuts off oxygen or blood flow. That general order has been updated. It's been reviewed by the CPRB and is available to view on our website.
0: So then would that, and, and I don't, let me see. So as far as like the order itself, will that move towards being finished?
1: Yes, that's uh, that's one item um, that needs to be updated on our next issuance of this report. Um, the, um, this item will shift over to the green column and will be complete. Right.
0: All right. And then we have, ah, losing my place. Continue ICPD policy and practice to be consistent with the Iowa House file 20, 2647, ensuring police officers in Iowa have not committed serious misconduct.
1: Uh, so, this is uh, in reference to the, the state reform bill that passed earlier this year. Um, it's already been our practice not to hire officers with serious misconduct. Um, as the uh, um, the law was passed, the next step is for the state to draft rules, uh, how they're going to administer this law. When those rules come out, we will certainly make sure that uh, uh, we are compliant with um, with them. Um, and that, that includes both how we hire uh, new officers, but if officers leave our employment because of misconduct, you know, ensuring that we have the systems in place to, to properly report those to the state so that other departments um, do not um, hire that individual.
0: So we're, we're almost there.
1: Correct, the, uh, um, really the, there's nothing we can do to speed up this process right now. The rulemaking process at the state has to take place and then we'll, we may have to adjust some of our internal human resources policies just to make sure that we're consistent. But until those rules are done at the state level, um, there's nothing we can do to get that over to the green column.
0: All right, so compliance and evaluate, uh, investigate compliance and evaluate disciplinary action related to proper use of body cameras
1: and vehicle recording devices. So this general is, this is the third general order uh, that we'll uh, update as a part of this resolution. Um, And this one is scheduled to be on the next um, um, community police review board uh meeting and that is uh september 3rd so that's uh thursday of this week uh it'll be on the cprb agenda and then per your request or your direction with this um, resolution you will also see this one so this this then will go from cprb to city council before it's fully adopted by the department okay um, the next one is the uh, duty to intervene and stop excessive force that has already been completed. You now you can view that general order on our website as well and if you to click, if you pull up this report, these are all hyperlinked and so you can kind of drill down and, and get links to those. Uh, prohibit use of tear gas, rubber bullets and flashbangs against peaceful protesters. Uh, We anticipate um, an update to a general order. Um, We're gonna wait for the uh, independent review to be complete on on that one because that independent review uh, may guide discussions on how best to update our policies. So um, that one is still pending and will be taken up after um, uh, after that independent review. If you go forward with it, if you decide not to go forward with that, then we'll have to, Um, make our own changes and discuss those um, uh, changes um, uh, with the CPRB and with with you. The legislative priorities, the council typically adopts those in uh, November, December. Uh, So our office uh, will be um, drafting um, reform um, priorities for you to consider. We'll ask that you adopt those. And then we plan to host a meeting with our state delegation uh, to discuss those prior to the commencement of the legislative session. Great. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission is, is on your agenda for further discussion uh, tonight. The $1 million uh, is um, identified in the budget and that will just await your direction on how that is allocated. The. Uh, uh, ed- if I'm going too fast or you wanna discuss, please stop at the artistic expression. You had the um, a recommendation from the Public Art Advisory Committee on your last agenda, I believe. So that is a work in progress. Um, we have not initiated and we'd like to have some discussions with council on um, artistic expression beyond um, the mural. So we've talked about festivals or other uh, engagement opportunities and we'd just like to get that uh, I get that discussion with you before we set forth any plans. Uh, Juneteenth as an official city holiday, I've initiated discussions with our three bargaining units. Um, uh, uh, Holidays are um, uh, bargained in our union contracts and thus it will take uh, um, uh, uh, an agreement with those unions to be able to accomplish this. I'm confident we'll get there but um, Uh, We have not completed that yet. The um, uh, report on the the diversity of our city workforce, as well as what we have done in past years to expand equitable recruiting efforts and to um, offer training to our employees, that is in your information packet on 820. I hope you had a chance to read that. You'll have an opportunity to discuss that tonight if you'd like. There's also recommendations in there about how we might continue that effort going forward. And then finally, the toolkit. Um, uh, We continue to uh, employ that toolkit. I believe we have a a public hearing on tonight's agenda that uh, will give you a preview of uh, one application of that toolkit related to our um, water fees. And then Uh, The training to the community has begun and we also uh, we've we've done one community training uh, focused on the business community on September 9th. we have an additional uh, community training opportunity. um, That's targeted towards landlords and property owners, but is also available for the for the general community as well. So those those efforts are being coordinated by our human rights office and uh, will continue um, uh, Certainly through uh, this year and next Okay. So this is the snapshot on, on kind of where, where things stand right now, um, with the exception that uh, this item here, which is the general order on chokeholds, is, is now in, in the completed column. Uh, so you see some of these that are both completed and underway. Um, that's just recognizing that there were multiple um, objectives in that, in that item. So um, for example, the military grade equipment is still under review but you have sent the MRAP letter and you now have the federal contract information um, in front of you. So there are some, some kind of partially completed indicators there. The only two that we've listed as waiting council action would be the allocation of the million dollars, uh, which um, I trust will will come as you get deeper into some of the, um, uh, the other items here. And then uh, this uh, uh, artistic Um, opportunities for artistic expression. Again, beyond the mural, we'd just like to have a short conversation with you about uh, some of your thoughts before we uh, really engage some of the, um, the arts community on how to move forward on that.
0: All right, council, thoughts?
7: I'll jump in, Mayor, if that's okay. Um, I just, first of all, thank you for the overview and pulling this all together in one list. I think that's incredibly helpful for, you know, we're looking at this all the time and and seeing the updates, um, you know, in our information packets. And I think it's really good for us to do that also as a group and to look at it. Um, A couple of things that that jumped out to me, um, being able to review, it was in our, as Jeff mentioned, the August 20th information packet IP3. The report on employee demographics and uh, diversity, and I just wanted to to raise something we mentioned before, but maybe haven't picked back up, which is training for city council, um, and opportunities for that. I know I think John Thomas and I um, participated in in um, one um, that was put on by Lauren Gray. I don't recall even when that was. Um, that was directed towards towards city staff and other um, I think mostly government employees, but if there's something that we could do as a group, I know that the city council previously had engaged um, GARE or the Government Association of Racial Equity for some really concerted um, training and discussion. I just wanted to to bring that back up and see if there's an appetite among the group for that.
1: Uh, Funny you should mention that. We do have an opportunity, we just haven't, I haven't, push that out to you yet, but there is a a gear related training that uh, Stephanie Bowers made me aware of today, uh, coming up in November, and I I plan just to review kind of the agenda for that. And and if it it looks like it fits well for elected officials, uh, we'll connect you uh, to that opportunity. And then I believe I've mentioned to you that uh, as city staff, um, right now we are um, pushing to our employees a 21-day equity challenge um, that is being run through East Central Iowa United Way. Uh, and uh, that, that challenge uh, is designed by uh, Dr. Eddie Moore who's done some city training with us before and is, is really just a, a, a phenomenal resource uh, uh, for us. Um, that's certainly a training that, uh, that, that the city council can participate in. Um, that's kind of on your own. It's not necessarily a gather together uh, type of training, uh, but you make that commitment yourself and you go about it at your pace uh, over the course of those 21 days. So if you'd like that information, I'd be happy to to share it again with you um, and we'll continue to uh, provide those opportunities to you as well. But I, I do concur that Having something you can all attend, and then maybe after that, you know, at a work session or a public meeting, discuss what your what your takeaways are and how those might influence your deliberations and decisions going forward would be would be pretty impactful.
3: Okay. Thanks for raising
0: that. Great. Well, um, seem like we are um, moving along, um, not as fast as we certainly hope but um definitely being very intentional um at right now reviewing and trying to get to the next steps um because we are committed at least myself and i know i've talked to the counselors uh we are committed to uh these uh 17 uh points uh in in the black lives matter and systemic racism uh resolution that was created so Uh, Thanks uh, to the counselors for all of your work that you've been doing and thanks to the city staff and even everyone in the community that's been a part of um, recommendations and and letting your voice be heard on these matters and and, and so that we can move forward together as a community. Um, Thank you. All right. can we move on to the next item on our agenda which is gonna be clarifi- clarification of agenda items. And this is from the formal agenda.
5: I have a couple of um, things that come came out of the correspondence that I wanted to ask about. Uh, one had to do with um, the situation downtown. I think the downtown harassment may have been in my notes anyway, how it was described and uh, I don't, I don't know if Jeff, if you could. There's some question as to the, um, the, the the manner of police presence in the downtown. Uh, that, and I'm not clear where this where this ended up. It sounded like there were differences of opinion on this, but uh, whether we have someone who's kind of dedicated to the downtown in the way that, say, David Schwent was at at one point. Um, there were some concerns about the. Uh, from what I've heard, the, the time lapse from an incident beginning and when a police presence was actually uh, there on the scene to respond to that incident. So I just wanted to ask about that. And so maybe I'll just mention the other uh, as well. Uh, Bob Op- Op- uh correspondence related to the Bike Adv- Advocacy Commission or committee um I I do hope we can my my hope in reading this exchange between Bob and and um uh oh I'm blocked Kent um regarding how to move forward on these this question of the structure for advising staff uh and also just engaging on the question of advancing our, our bike culture. Um, my hope was that there might be an opportunity for staff to meet with Bob, uh, members of this, um, the current, uh, uh, bicycle advisory committee and others as necessary to try to, to, you know, go through what Bob was suggesting, um, to see if we can't do a better job of addressing all the aspects of the, um, advancing our, our bike culture, um, which seemed if I understood it, it seemed like the, the engagement was primarily on a project-driven basis, you know, with with when we were proposing bike lanes and things of that sort, and Bob was suggesting it could be an expanded role. Um, but my hope was that that might, we might have that meeting uh, to just see how we want to move forward um, more productively uh, with one of the stated goals, reaching the gold status, which uh, I was noting with Pauline the other day that um, that was something that we brought up probably four and a half years ago as, as our hopes to achieve that and we're still not quite there. So if, if making any changes to the advocacy for our bike culture um, would help us achieve that as well as just on the ground, promote culture in Iowa City for biking, um, perhaps having that conversation would be useful.
4: So. I like John. I also had concerns at correspondence. I think that was eight C about the downtown. So I think because I'd gotten phone calls about these issues too about what was going on downtown uh, with certain individuals, and um, so I, I think we just kind of needed a clarification about the status of, of a downtown liaison officer, if that still exists, or where we are with that.
1: Um, you still have a downtown liaison officer, but we are. um exact in front of five hours.
0: Hey, Jeff. Uh, for whatever reason, your mic is really fuzzy. Or is it just my speaker? <laughs>
4: no, no, the audio is terrible. Second.
0: It was fine earlier. (laughs) It was. Well, he wasn't totally robotic. That's typically what happens.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna pretend to be Ashley for a moment. (laughs) All right. Uh, On the uh, downtown issue, we do, we do still have a downtown liaison officer. Uh, Officer Fowler uh, continues to do that work with us. However, we're probably, I think, four or five uh, police officer positions down right now from our budgeted amount. And um, that means that those officers on specialty positions are often called to regular patrol calls. Um, It's, it's very common. Uh, No matter if you're on days evenings or nights that you're going to go call to call to call and when we don't um, Have full staff. uh, We can't dedicate as much time to those um, Those specialty uh, uh, um, um, Assignments like uh, the downtown patrol. So that's one of the things that we're struggling with right now Um, We did hear these complaints. Um, We did make sure that officer Fowler uh, and others could um, respond uh, as they do uh, with with compassion and, and eye towards uh, connecting individuals with, with services they need. And I think uh, we've received some, some good comments from the, the business community to, to, to say thank you for, for that assistance. Um, but I imagine that's something that we'll continue to struggle with as long as we stay down uh, those police officer positions. Um, regarding the bike uh, advocacy, um, the 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 um, goal for GOLD um, is still very much uh, um, um, our target and well within reach. Uh, the nature of that program is that you only apply, I think, every three years or so. That's why that goal has been hanging out there. Uh, we applied immediately after Council established that goal, probably three or four years ago. And fell just short of that um, with the the biggest knock on us being that we don't have enough on street bike facilities. Uh, we feel that after all the uh, additions of bike lanes that the that the council has authorized in the last few years that we'll have a really good shot of getting gold and I believe that application's in progress right now I'd have to verify that with with Kent and his team but um that's that's un- underway. Um, you saw Kent's response to, to Mr. Opplinger's, um request there, and I'm happy to follow up with with Kent. But uh, we feel like we are executing on that master plan as it was designed, and and we feel like we we have good input. Can always be better, and 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 perhaps a restructuring makes sense, but we'd certainly want to get the impact of or get the input of of, of the other advocates that have been helping us uh, um, make those decisions.
4: Thank you, Jess. Um, I had a question about item 6F uh, that was with the Willow Creek Park completion. Uh, can somebody clarify what happens again when a company goes beyond the Expected project completion date. I mean, I understand that there were a lot of extenuating circumstances with this project, um, but it was delayed for a really long time. And I might have misunderstood, but I thought there was something about uh, instead of a fine or a penalty, an amount was just deducted from the final payment. So, is that reflected in those figures that we got on this item? Do you know?
1: I'm not sure if, I see Ron is on the call. Um, Ron, if you have any information, if we had liquidated damages on the Willow Creek project. Yeah, I, I don't know if we if, if we have liquidated damages on that uh, project or not. We'll double check that before the council meeting and we'll have that information for, for you uh, at the meeting.
4: Thank you.
0: All right, anything else from the agenda?
3: I was just looking for a little bit of clarification on 7A, which is the water collection ordinance to explain a little bit the background of that. And I mean, I saw the numbers in there and how it brings it down. It's just uh, the, uh, for some reason it confused me some.
1: Sure, Uh, Dennis, you wanna handle that one? Sure, I can I can
8: try and answer that question for you. And um, this goes back to the uh, racial equity and toolkit that the finance department did several years ago, and we took a look at the impact of uh, the water collection process on um, the minority community, and we did a uh, through our GIS system an analysis of where those past due accounts were taking place across the city, and we found that it was really uh, disproportionately impacting the South Central portion of the community. And so at that time, um, we found that the uh, low income uh, program, the discount program was very effective and we decided to put more resources into that program at that time. Um, Since then, um, and and that's been working and, and we have been getting higher participation, but we went back and took another look at uh, that program and what we were doing, and uh, at, that, at the initial time, we were a little reluctant to eliminate the carding fee or um, you know all the fees associated with that collection process. Uh, but after looking at that again, we decided that uh, perhaps that was uh, the better way to go um, and eliminate that carding fee and then uh, in lieu of that, try to do more things electronically, like send text message notices and email notices to people and, and because we really felt that fee was a rather high fee comparatively to the other communities and it was really primarily impacting uh, those residents in the south central portion of the community that really ultimately the better way to go was to eliminate that fee um, and then alter our collection process a little bit. So really that's what this ordinance does is is it just authorizes uh, the reduction or the elimination of that $45 carding fee. It it does increase the uh, initial late fee a little bit. Um, And that's because we're in the process of purchasing software that will allow us to send email, text message, and other electronic notices. Uh, So there isn't an additional cost associated with that uh, particular program. However, when when you do the math, it turns out that in rather than that $45 fee, they might pay an extra $4.50 late fee. Um, so, you know, there's ultimately a, a much lower cost uh, or lower charges on that collection fee that is, that is levied on those past due accounts. And we're hoping that one, that this might help people from getting their water shut off or helping them to, to pay those bills once they get behind, uh, but also then, um, Allowing us more ways to communicate those late bills to people, other than just somebody uh, driving up and putting a notice on their door. And so that's kind of you know the background of that, and and ultimately it's going to be a much lower cost for those individuals that are that are behind on their water bills.
1: And, and just a point of clarification, this is uh, assuming normal times, we are still not shutting off water during the COVID period. Um, so we're, we're actually looking ahead to where we resume normal collections.
3: Thanks very
0: much. Any other agenda items from the formal uh, agenda? Is,
2: is that on the consent agenda? The, the water item, but I'm sorry, I, I wasn't like
0: looking at them. Yep, it's on the consent agenda.
2: Yeah, I really want to talk about that, also, uh, because you know, I, I just believe that to begin with, uh, as long as we are using uh, you know employees of the city to go and shut down the water, why are we charging people forty five even before it's shut? I understand that you are working on to take out that. Am I in the right, uh, the right item or I'm off? Okay.
0: You're on the right item.
2: Okay, uh, you know, I'm I'm just thinking that. Uh, I know that you are now working on waiving the 45. I agree. Uh, but you are increasing the fee due to that, like say, you are saying, oh, we are waiving the 45 because to begin with is not like, yeah, we saw it is not okay, but uh, instead we're gonna increase the 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 fee so we can, um, you know, just like, what my point is, just to begin with, you sending somebody from the city to go and do that and put that notice on the door and you charge the people 45 dollars that by itself it was wrong i know that you are changing it but you don't need to increase the fee you just correct a situation that was to begin with is wrong we're using the tag the people who go there and put this, uh, you know, who go there and shut down the water, the people who go there and put the notice are a city employee. And we pay them a salary. We are not giving them more money because they, we're sending them out. And also, uh, the other thing is, like, it makes sense to me during the weekend because you have to take on the water for those people, it makes us completely to charge that person extra if they request their water to be back on the weekend. But on weekdays, why we do that if we're using a city in Belize? And my question to you, Dennis, do we pay extra money for those people who go and put their notice? Do we pay extra fee for those people who go and shut down the water or turn it back on or anything?
8: We do not pay them extra unless it's done in overtime. Um, there is a cost associated because anytime we would send out an employee to card a property or shut up a water, they're doing that in lieu of doing something else like replacing somebody's broken water meter or going out and reading meters or uh, doing some other form of repair. So there is a cost because uh, it does take time for those individuals, and and the individuals that are doing these activities are funded from the water system, which is a self-funded business operation. So it's it's not being funded from property taxes or other uh, other forms of of revenue. So the revenue that is generated by the water fees pays those employees that go out and doing this work. Um, so although there is no really additional cost, there is a cost associated to have the additional additional time on staff to be able to do that work no but if if nobody if
2: nobody have this problem and everybody pay their fee on time we still pay the same salary to those individuals who do this work you know i uh, i really just don't understand that why we call the people i understand that we can just do it if you you do it overtimes you are uh, you giving people overtime to do that after hours. And also if you're doing it in the weekend, I understand that you can also save the fee to the person in, in their bills. But just if you're doing it during the day and you doing it, why we do that?
8: I guess, are you talking about the $45 carding fee? Mm-hmm. And that's the fee that we're eliminating.
2: Uh, okay, but
8: what are you adding? Well, there's a, there's a late fee. Like, so when you do not pay your bill on time, Right now it's a 5% late charge. And so the average bill is about $95. And so the average late charge on that bill is about four and a half dollars. But are so, you are increasing it. And we're raising that essentially to a 10% fee, which would go from $4.50 to $9. And that's because we're purchasing software that will allow us to notify people of their late bills and late fees through email, text, and other forms of electronic communication and Louvre having to to do it manually through labor, which we were charging $45 for.
2: Do you know who the people who really get these child late fees and as your water always shut down is the low income people who are not even check their emails most of the time because they don't have time for that. I, I guess you are putting a lot of burden on those people you don't even need, to me, you don't even need to buy the software if you decide not to charge the people, uh, like, fee. So uh, I really don't know, but I, I think this is wrong, and it has to be corrected. And uh, also, like, turning on the water if somebody came. If you are charging them late fee, also you, you charge them turn
8: on fee? There is a fee to restore the water. So if somebody's water is shut off, there is a $45 fee, actually it's $47.25. We're reducing that to $45 to have an employee come out because they have to physically turn the water off and then come back and physically turn the water back on. So it takes roughly two hours of staff time and equipment time to, to shut the water off and shut it back on. So there is a cost associated with that actual behavior. That but
2: during the, during the normal hours, you are not paying them extra. Well, That's my
8: whole point. They are, they are salary or they pay, are paid hourly. Um, they are union employees. Um, the amount of staff time of what it would take with or without those activities, I guess that would have to be evaluated how much of their time is, is required to handle those accounts that required shutting off and carting
2: that means we charging them 45 we still charging them 45 dollar if we turn on the water and we are adding to the late fee because we're going to purchase this software that would remind them uh, most of the people are not going to see this reminder who are you know maybe the people uh, who really pay their bill on time and they have uh, you know uh, they have access to pay their their bill on time because they always do that they have good job those people who are still going to see the reminder if you send it to them, but not the low income people. And and I just think that buying this equipment, you beating and, and adding more late fee, you're putting a lot of burden on the low income people and you're still charging them if they come and say, Okay, I'm paying it, even though I'm paying fee for late fee, you're still charging me forty five dollars to retain my water bath. This is ridiculous.
1: May I make Would a suggestion, like to... Mayor? Oh. Uh, t- tonight, yes. you're being asked to set the public hearing uh, on this, um, so you're not you're not taking a vote on the ordinance tonight. And I don't have the agenda in front of me, but that's my recollection. Dennis, is that correct?
8: Yeah, tonight is just setting the hearing. Actually, September fifteenth, uh, your meeting will be the actual hearing itself.
1: So we can go through this. I mean, I, I think what's what we're arguing here, what we're what we're hearing is. Um, a a degree to which we want to lower the fees because staff is coming to you saying let's lower the fees uh, to reduce the burden and what I'm hearing from Councillor Salih is let's lower that even more and so we can have that degree of uh, you know how far do we want to move with this and and staff this has been an informative conversation and staff can kind of walk you through these various elements but I I think that's probably important to do at the public hearing Um, and tonight you're just setting that public hearing you're not voting on this item
2: Still, I just want
1: to say my two cents. All right. Okay.
2: Thank
0: you. We we will reconvene uh, our work session after uh, the formal agenda. And so for now, um, I'm going to bring this meeting to a close and we'll see you back. All right. We are um, going back to our work session, which started yesterday, uh, the 1st of September um, at 5 PM. And so, um, we have finished our clarification of agenda items, um, wanted to just allow any opportunity for any information packets, um, au- August 20th.
6: I'll just make a quick comment on IP3, the, the staff demographics. Um, recruiting and training, there's, I think there's an awful lot of training going on that people aren't aware of. It's a long, long list. Um, so I think really good information uh, from the, from
3: staff. And that item, I'd love to see the fire department do more. It seems like everyone was doing a lot.
0: Any other items? Okay, we're going to go to IP um, eight twenty-seven. Hearing none there. Um, well, I think we can probably consider ourselves adjourned, unless there is something else people want to bring up right now.
7: Um, Mayor. Um, I- I'm sorry, one, one quick update from the uh, City, Re- City of Literature Board because we talked about it at our last meeting, the possibility of redeeming a park um, in honor of James Allen M- McPherson. Um, I've gotten a couple of comments, one of which may have gone to all of council as well about the possibility of maybe a more significant space than the very small green space that was being considered. So I just wanted to bring that forward and I certainly agree with that, that sentiment. And then I maybe should have said it during regular council updates, but I just wanted to take five seconds and say, I'm really, really proud of us. I know we've let down a lot of people in the community on a lot of different things in the last few months, but I see all of your hearts. I know we're trying. Um, I know we're gonna continue to try. We're not gonna walk away from any of the really, really, really hard stuff that we're dealing with. So I just wanna say thanks for this opportunity to be your colleague,
3: because I, I think we're,
8: we're doing
3: all right. Great. And, and and I apologize for adding to this, but I wanted to make one note about item six in the August 27th packet. Um, it's amazing what we're able to do with the CBDG funds and 3000 of our own funds to fund all these um, requests mm-hmm. over $260,000 in requests for homeless prevention, childcare, mental health, food assistance that are all uh, under the CARES Act that are all caused by COVID. So the, the fact that we ended up with the funds to do that um, is, is, a, is a real positive and I just wanted to note that.
0: Anything else? All right, we're adjourned. <laughs> Long night. <laughs> Good night. Yes, all right, bye.